Hello and welcome to Episode Party, a podcast where we talk about our favourite podcasts. I'm Freddie Harrison. I'm Jack Tutor. And tonight we are joined by Ali and Tamer from the excellent Not Overthinking podcast. Hi guys. Hey, how's, hey, it, going? how's it going? Can't we do the same thing? <laughs> wow. <laughs> that's, uh, really yeah, that's 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 good co-hosting skills for you if you can say the exact same thing without realizing. I think that's how yeah. that works. Um, we have a whole bunch of podcasts to get through, four to chew through tonight, and to start us off uh, is Jack. Jack, tell us a little bit about your podcast. Sure. So mine is called The Casual Birder. It's a podcast for people interested in, in wild birds, presented by Susie Buttress, who is a self-proclaimed bird fanatic, uh, and also the administrator of Max Fun London, an unofficial community for the fans of uh, Maximum Fun podcasts, which is something oh. I didn't even know existed, but that's cool. Um, so my relationship with this podcast started because I read a book called The Peregrine, which is all about peregrine falcon and in fact i was listening to an episode of not overthinking today about reading and books and uh ali and tamor you guys talked about books that changed your lives and as soon as i heard that i thought of this book i read it (laughs) earlier this year (laughs) yeah big time like um it's just basically someone following a peregrine falcon around for 10 years and writing about their experiences of seeing it and writing about it in the most beautifully prosaic way which made me realize i think how much there was for me to to garner from just watching birds it's such a wonderful experience i've since become a member of the rspb represent started visiting all the local nature (laughs) reserves i've just basically got obsessed and i found the casual birder podcast because i think one of the things that i do and i'm sure this is common amongst probably all of us is that if i find a new interest that's really getting me quite jazzed i see if there's a podcast that can sort of support that habit and The Casual Birder is definitely one of these podcasts. It features interviews with prominent people in the bird world, so people in the RSPB, uh, the BTO, British Trust of Ornithology. And the episodes go from fact files on, on different birds, different types of birds. So the episode that I picked for everyone to listen to was on the Corvid family of birds. So that includes crows, ravens, magpies, jackdaws and jays. And it combines facts with more uh, prosaic and anecdotal stuff as well so Susie relays stories of birds in her own back garden uh, she tells this story of uh, being stopped in her path by a raven and being felt like she needed to turn back and largely because of all of the <laughs> mythology around ravens um, I mean you would as well Fred so I think and uh, okay. she yeah I just love it I think what I really love about it is that there's a, a real quaint simplicity about it there's a lovely sense of community so listeners uh, write in and talk about the birds they've seen in their back garden it's ever so it's got this just this quaintness to it this like pure unadulterated enjoyment to it which is just like people loving the shit out of seeing birds and I think it's just something that sad though it is my wife and I just spend a lot of our mornings at the moment just sending pictures of, of the birds we've seen as we've been going outside. This has really been an, uh, an epiphanic experience for me, getting into birds. I just think it's super accessible. <laughs> I think the love of Susie just comes right through. I could go on, but I'm not going to. Freddie, tell me about what you thought of the Casual Birder podcast. I love this. Um, I, <laughs> Good. I, I, yeah, I, I can't say I've got into birds in a big way like you have yet. Give I do time. have really fond memories of standing in my great aunt's kitchen and looking out into her garden. She pointing out birds to me and she had a book on the side. She had one of those like stands you put your recipe books on, except on her stand she had a book which was just pictures of birds and what they were called underneath. Are you she sure she wasn't outside. cooking some exotic stuff? Um, no, <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, I, I don't know what exotic birds we, we get in the Midlands, but um, yeah. Uh, anyway, I, I do, I do, I do think it's one of those kind of like joyful hobbies, and it was actually like considering I, I'm not into it in any way at the moment. I'm, I'm I know you've persuaded me to go along to uh, a, a bird watching spot and uh, endorse it but i i really really enjoyed the podcast i think susie's just like super charming and and just really has a really lovely voice to listen to um and i I just felt like the whole episode because it was this kind of monologue about her experiences and kind of she's kind of educating a little bit about the corvid family but also just talking about the birds she's seen and where she's seen them the whole thing just felt like a kind of letter that i might get from my great auntie 
about the birds that she'd seen in her garden and there's something like there's something really nice about that like i think that you know we we've got tonight like four very different podcasts with like very different setups and very different kind of um styles and i think there's a real place for podcasts like this where you've got someone just talking to you about something that they really love and you know chances are they're talking to a lot of people who really love that thing too and i think that was really really charming and really really lovely i think you know her, her delivery is flawless she's clearly like well scripted the episode and and obviously knows her stuff um which you'd kind of hope and um yeah i i just i really i liked i like listening to it i think i'd have to be into birds to really want to get into it properly as a podcast i you know I, i'm not going to go away and listen to a lot more until i kind of i've done a bit of appreciating of bird watching myself <laughs> i mean i could probably join in with my cat where we're sitting in the conservatory working during the day and the cat's kind of staring at all the birds i could probably join in there but i i think it is a great podcast and you know if i if i start getting into bird watching i could see myself really get into this podcast too so okay. yeah thumbs cool. up i'd say well hit me up if you get into birds freddy i'm only down the road so we can go bird watching together can't we oh it's very kind it's on record now um Taymor, what do you think of this one so i think this one yeah, I, I totally get what you guys are saying. I think I think uh, Jack, when you when you describe it as, as having this sort of quaint simplicity, I think that sums it up really well. Um, yeah, I thought it was super charming. I quite like animals, but I've never really been a bird person. I never really got the whole birds thing. And I remember <laughs> back in the day, you know, when Bill Oddie used to be on TV with his like spring watch and autumn watch and stuff. Yeah, that's really the, the, the closest I've gotten to getting into birds. I still didn't manage it. <laughs> um, yes, so... Getting into birds. <laughs> Sending photos right. of birds to your wife. <laughs> yeah, come on. yeah I, have, I have no wife to send photos of birds to, so maybe that's the problem. Um, yeah, I, I think I, I kind of see it as like almost having a, having like a nature documentary in the background on the TV while you're doing other stuff. Right. Or a bit like having sort of mood lighting in the room. It was just like really charming and pleasant to listen to. I think like Susie's voice was really nice. It, it kind of came across as a well-produced sort of Radio 4 show or something. Yes. Um, so I think, yeah, aesthetically, it was very, very nice. But content-wise, I don't think I've recalled any information from the whole podcast. Um, <laughs> but yeah, content-wise, it's, I think the topic is just not my thing yet. Maybe I need to read the, the Peregrine. Oh, big time. Yeah. Come back to me with the red peregrine. Change your life on it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> as long as you're ready, then uh, yeah, the peregrine is waiting. Uh, Ali, what do you reckon? So I fully agree with all, um, all all of what you guys said about how quaint and charming this whole thing was. Um, I actually took away some some interesting points here from uh, from the content side because, uh, unbeknownst to a lot of people, I studied psychology when I was in, uh, at university. Because in our within our six years of medical school, we can do one year where you pretty much do whatever subject you want. And I picked psychology mm. for mine. And one of my favorite modules within that was comparative cognition, which is all about the thinking of animals. And ah. so corvids actually feature heavily in psychology <laughs> in the psychology scientific studies about how animals think. And when this podcast was talking about how corvids are known to use tools and to kind of the Aesop's fable, uh, whereby uh, the raven puts stones in a thing to get the water out of it, all of this stuff started bringing back memories of like oh my god this is actually a real thing and corvids do have this amazing power to use tools and fashion all these instruments and stuff so i found it really interesting from that point of view but there was another part of it whereby it kind of made me think about how once you know a little bit about a topic it kind of unlocks a whole new realm of the human experience about that topic like before I got into web design, I didn't really appreciate kind of nice looking websites. Before I got into like classical music and music theory, I didn't really appreciate, you know, how pro good musicians were. And so kind of with the bird thing, I, I get the feeling that if we just kind of take take a few steps in that direction to become a little bit educated about birds, then when a random bird is crying out in the wild, a sound that you're otherwise going to completely ignore suddenly becomes, you know, this thing full of meaning. And I was kind of I was kind of sad that I don't yet have this appreciation of birds. And I was actually thinking that it might be something worth getting into. I don't know what you guys reckon. Oh, well, I'm obviously biased as a birder myself. <laughs> but, I mean, I, I, I think it's absolutely... I mean, that reflects my experience that I've had, right? So I was aware of the fact that birdsong is a pleasant thing. It's nice to hear birdsong in the garden. But then to start to be able to pick apart that song and be like, that's the call of this bird, that's the call of this bird... It become it, it really is a door swinging open. And and that's what I think what I like most about this podcast is her attempts to describe birds, which are so different from us, and yet we can't help but anthropomorphize 
birds because that's you know a big part of our language in terms of trying to relate these creatures and obviously it's something we do because we're fond of them as well but when she talks about jackdaws sounding like they're petulant like things aren't going their own way and things like there's these kind of like grasping for the right language to use to talk about birds i just find it such an opportunity i've basically hijacked this podcast because i wanted to talk about birds but i really appreciate that (laughs) all three of you have um given this a punt and come away you know not not hating the experience so yeah not hating the experience <laughs> yeah that's awesome so jack what uh, what made you want to read the peregrine initially because it seems it seems like that was your gateway drug into all of this yes. and i can't imagine myself thinking or well, seeing a book about a guy following a falcon for 10 years and thinking yeah i want to read that you know excellent yeah excellent question so basically i'm a, a writer about experimental music so i do a music website as well there's an album that i reviewed a few years ago called the peregrine by a chap called lawrence english which is a, a album dedicated entirely to the book of the same name and i'd known about this album since about 2012 and i knew that it was based on a book never really thought to check it out until in the last year this is why your podcast that i listened to today resonated so much on on reading in the last year i decided to really stretch myself in terms of the types of books that i'm reading and because i want to be a better writer just explore how different people are writing about entirely different subjects and this was a book that i thought right well i need to give nature writing a shot i remember that book the peregrine apparently it's like a seminal nature work so i'll check it out and yeah fucking hell it's unbelievably (laughs) good like i cannot even it's made me think about music writing differently for sure because again it's about the translation of one medium into the medium of writing so you know although the medium is birds not sounds so yeah that's that's might been my route in, but it's been like quite a journey. It's been great. All right, you fully sold me on this. I've just bought it on Kindle. No, you haven't really. Yeah, four ninety nine Kindle store. Get in. Keep <laughs> me it's, posted. It's got to be done. Oh, this is so <laughs> good. oh my god! And they've got the Audible version as well for an extra two ninety nine. Have you have you tried listening to the audiobook, or is it? Do you feel it's a book best to be absorbed in the in the written form? I listened to it in uh, uh, like there was like a, a, a fishing platform by a pond which is right behind my place of work so i could listen to birds and read a book about birds while also occasionally looking up at the birds so oh wow. right that's i mean wow. that's yeah <laughs> that sounds like yeah <laughs> i just can't even believe that I know, right it's like level 10 but um hey like i said if you're ready for it dive in I'm going to try and retrieve our podcast from the world of birds right now because I feel like um, episode party has become bird party, which is like not a bad thing in itself. But I haven't checked online. I'm pretty sure the domain for bird.party is not available. So leave it to um, me. I, I tried. To, I tried to do something a bit clever with the um, the ordering of our podcast recommendations this evening, which was to kind of like do a tech sandwich where kind of technology was kind of in the middle, and then you've got kind of podcasts about nature on the outsides. So I hope that's <laughs> what's going to play out. Otherwise, that's a really stupid thing for me to have just said. Um, so with all that being said, um, Ali, your podcast is up. Tell us a little bit about it and uh, why you like it. Okay, so um, I suggested the Indie Hackers podcast. And this is a podcast where uh, they interview usually individuals or small teams of people who code and who are making businesses on the internet, um, making various sorts of products. And the cool thing about this is that it shows you the behind the scenes of the sorts of companies and businesses that people are making who have gone for this dream of working for myself, uh, building a business that sustains my lifestyle while also providing value to the world and not being beholden to a boss, you know, working their own hours, pretty much doing whatever they want. So I think everyone who's even vaguely into coding has this dream that, you know, one day I want to have this sort of business that generates this quote passive income that lets me live off, which means I can do whatever I want, like watching birds and reading about birds and uh, hearing the sounds of birds. (laughs) Which is quite hard to do when you're in the middle of a hospital or if you're in the middle of a corporate job, you know, that sort of thing. Um, So the podcast itself is very good in terms of having these interviews. And the episode that I suggested is um, by the founder of a company called, uh, of a website called park.io. And this is going to take a little bit of explanation for people unfamiliar with uh, domain name backordering. So if, if you don't mind, I'll just kind of explain a little bit about the context behind this. Please do. Absolutely.
So essentially, a domain name is you know s- s- something that you see on the internet, like Google.com is a domain name, uh, Facebook.com or MySpace.co.uk. You know those domain names that are essentially where websites are are stored, uh, for want of a better word. And domain names are one of those weird things that people will pay a hell of a lot of money for. Like for example, I think the world record was Sex.com, which sold for like tens of millions of pounds, something stupid like that. Because you can imagine if you're building a business, you'd definitely want the .com domain, like apple.com. If Apple didn't have it, they would have wanted to buy for, you know, hundreds of millions of pounds because it just means a whole lot in in the world of the internet. Yeah. Now, normally uh, in, in like the 90s, there was this whole craze of people buying up domain names to later sell. So now if you want to name a business, it's really hard to find the .com domain name for it. Like it's almost impossible because there's all these companies and people that have bought up practically every .com that you can hear of and are now reselling them at huge at huge margins, which doesn't really allow individual coders who have an idea to, to get their .com domain. So one way around this is that a lot of these domains that you might have your eye on they always expire a year from the date that they were last renewed. And if they're not set on auto-renewal, that domain will expire. And then there is, you know, it's, it's essentially a free-for-all where anyone can get their hands on that particular domain. Now, the guy behind this website, Park.io, he's essentially built this automated system that flags up whenever there's a domain expiring that might be highly valuable. So, for example, you know, just looking at the website now, you know, this uh, like s- small letter domain names like uh, dataset.me or i9.vc or, you know, swipe.io. These are sorts of things that people would probably pay a lot of money for. And he's built this automated system behind the scenes that somehow uses all of his coding knowledge to try and grab as many of these domains as possible. And then he just runs an auction on this website that allows people to bid for it. And so if someone bids for it, like the most recent sale, swipe.io, which is a bit of a weird domain, sold for $70,000. Symphony.io sold for $3,000. Cryptofund.io, $1,000. And and so essentially this guy is making all of that money because his software is doing the work behind the scenes to allow people to get these high in demand domains. And I just found this like an incredibly fascinating story because it's such a niche rogue topic to have an interest in. And this guy has taken his interest in this topic, has built a whole system around it, and now has built a website that at the time, like two years ago, was generating over $100,000 per month in profit. And just the story of that was incredibly inspiring and made me... Um, much more inclined to try and learn coding. And every everyone I've recommended this episode to has been super inspired by it and thought, wow, you know, if I could, <laughs> you know, monetize my niche interest like that, that would just be the dream. Yeah. So that was kind of why I, I really like this particular episode. I don't know if you guys under uh, followed any of that. No, I'm I'm totally with you on this one. Um, I I do understand it. I I the, the whole well part of the reason that episode party as a podcast start it was because I saw the dot party TLD the um the top level domain the 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 oh, bit nice. after the dot of the domain <laughs> I was I, that was coming up as like one that was new um because we went through that period where they brought out all these kind of wild and wacky domains and um I just thought what could I have that's like dot party because dot party is quite fun and for some reason I thought of episode dot party and I bought it and it wasn't probably until a few weeks later that i actually realized i was going to do something with it and there was a point in my life where i had more domains like that where i'd I'd kind of kept them for future projects which i didn't have a clue what they were going to be yet but i just thought oh "Oh, that's a cool domain I'll, i'll keep that and then after a while your renewal comes through every year and you go how much am I spending on things that I'm not using? <laughs> Can we Just have a, yeah. an example <laughs> of a funky one that you kind of had for a while and then didn't use? Uh, well, well, my um, one of my my current co-workers and I uh, were originally a long time ago going to start up a creative agency called um, Monday, um, like a little creative design studio called Monday, well, and we uh, we had Monday. Uh, Monday. We had Monday. Studio when Dot Studio oh, came out, and nice. that was a really cool one. And actually, when that came up for renewal, um, probably last year, end of last year, and uh, I, th- I can't remember how it was. It was just like a bit too much for me to justify keeping it because we weren't using it, and we actually had a guy email me a few weeks before the renewal saying how much is it for me to take this off you because i'd like it and weirdly i never got back to him but then it expired and no one's ever bought it so i have no idea what happened there but (laughs) this is a roundabout way of saying uh, i i uh, it was a very well explained concept there and i i totally get it um the podcast i i i quite enjoyed it it was um a bit of a new world to me to be honest because i just don't think 
I've not had one of those kind of ideas yet that's going to make me a load of money. And I suppose if everyone had them that easily, then no one would make any money. But um, yeah, it was one of these things where like, you know, I I, I had to listen to a couple of other episodes today. And I just I I find that kind of world and that kind of mindset really intriguing because I just don't have... Um, I haven't had that idea yet. I'm, I'm trying not to say I don't have the mind for that because I think, like, I don't know if you need to have... I suppose you need to have an entrepreneurial mindset, but I think anyone can have a good idea. It's kind of how you act on it and it's what you do with it or don't do with it, like me not selling Monday.studio to that guy. So I, I find it really intriguing. Um, I found it, like, a, a really interesting listening to a world that I was kind of, like, aware about. I knew about people who'd, who'd started their kind of online businesses and were, like, wildly profitable and they worked for themselves all the rest of it I, I get that world but i i've never kind of peeped behind the curtain as it were like i've only ever seen it from the other side and i've only ever really seen the success of it and it was interesting you know hearing about this this guy who started um park.io um talking about what things kind of could go wrong for him and you know how it all started and you know what it's meant for his life as a whole and you know whether he's considered growth or not or hiring people and all the rest of it and that's really really interesting to hear that from the prospect of one person i think the nice thing about it is that there are a lot of different answers to those questions and it's nice to hear lots of different opinions on them because I don't think there's any one good answer when you're kind of working for yourself and making those businesses for yourself. I think it's, yeah, it's 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 definitely like something that I can't relate to in the sense of like starting a business like this, but I I, I found it like inspiring in the way that I, I feel, I still feel like it's out of reach, but then I just haven't had my really good idea yet and that's, 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 what I'm going to keep telling myself anyway but I did enjoy it <laughs> so one day one yeah. day maybe yeah one day yeah I just think it's fabulous that podcasts like this exist like this is not something that has direct utility to me but I think it's such a privilege to be able to spend an hour in the company of someone and soak up their advice from someone in a very specialist field at no expense whatsoever. I mean, instead of perhaps, I don't know, there would have been an equivalent in the past where it was only really possible if you met someone for coffee and chatted to them about it. Podcasts like this mean that, you know, if you've got a podcaster who's asking the right questions of someone and hitting the points that you want them to hit, then you can get a lot of the information that you would want to get from these people. And I think that for a podcast that's quite, I think, quite ruthless about its utility, and I mean that in the sense that it's not trying to make itself sexy to people like me who who don't have a primary interest in domains or internet business it's just like this is one for people who want to get the max output and actually make use of it because they have this pre-existing interest in it and i think that just makes it such a strong podcast i think this mike chap who runs park.io is a thoroughly likable guy like i just i enjoyed his company to be honest he's very sincere about what he isn't good at and some of these things when you get these people on who run their own internet businesses can be very relentlessly self-promotional and chest beating and only really talk about their failures if they've come out triumphant on top of them and they're now you know whooping ass still and i i i just thought you know what I was really happy to just spend a bit of time with him and hear his kind of logic. I thought it was really interesting to hear about... I mean, basically, he sounds like someone who's just relentlessly inquisitive. He's always asking, like, oh, shit, could this be better? I got beaten there. What can I do differently? And that, I think, does have a general application in the sense that, you know, it's really inspiring to hear from someone who's making it by having that constantly inquisitive mindset where he's just always trying to self-optimize on the basis of what failures have come into his path and you know his remark about just going all in once you've got something that clicks i think again that's a really interesting point the one slightly unusual point i found in this podcast was there, there there's a bit in the middle where the the host kind of breaks off and does this like two minute bit where he sort of swerves into talking about his own experiences but for quite a long time for an interview and i was like is um mike just sat here while this is going on and i don't know who he was because <laughs> i've got a feeling that some of the questions have been I, and i don't know if this is true and if um 
he's listening, then yeah, apologies if, if this is wrong. But I think he's kind of overdubbed <laughs> some of his questions or some of the bits as well. I don't think all of this interview was authentically done in real time. I think there's bits where he's gone in later and then inserted perhaps a bit more of a, an anecdote. Because also he told it immaculately without umming or ahhing at all, which was super impressive. So that... that Ooh, interesting. Yeah. I've never clocked that for this episode. Uh, I should have a listen to it again. Yeah, yeah. It just, it's, it struck me. Um, you know, maybe he's just incredibly verbose and good behind the microphone which um you know <laughs> that could be the answer but yeah it it, it just caught my ear but I'm, like i say i'm just really glad that these kind of podcasts exist and that they can you know provide the opportunity just to get some super duper expert advice yeah tamor what do you what do you reckon yeah i've actually been a huge fan of indie hackers in general since it started maybe like five or six years ago i think um I think what what's really impressive is that this guy who started it, uh, Indie Hackers, not the uh, the guy who was on the interview, he's kind of built this amazing community that's sort of, in, like I was saying, sort of inspired loads of people to try and do this thing. And I think before Indie Hackers came along, all the tech, all the narratives in like tech and entrepreneurship were about like starting massive businesses that make you know, billions of dollars, mm. have thousands of employees. Um, and then the sort of Indie Hackers movement kind of made things much more accessible because they kind of said that actually, you know, a lot of people just want to start like a, a really nice small niche business uh, that affords them the lifestyle they want and maybe a bit more. Um, and that's really admirable too. And so this, I think the community in general that it started is, is really, really impressive. Hmm. Um, and I, I think, I think yeah, I'm not too clued up on other kind of industries, but I think tech in general has good communities that let people come together and help each other and inspire each other. And I think if I, I think that's one of the really nice things about tech. And if I was in, say, like finance or something, I probably wouldn't be on like finance forums for fun in the evenings. Whereas everyone in tech basically reads the same few forums and like <laughs> hangs out with each other and stuff. So I think the community side is really good. Um, yeah, I, I like what you said about uh, this Mark guy just being really cool. Uh, Mike, uh, yeah, I, I thought he was a really cool guy too. Uh, I think often, yeah, when you hear these interviews, it's a bit like trite. It's a bit, you know, like yeah. playing their own trumpet and stuff. Um, yeah, this guy was super cool. I thought that the, the domain things was interesting because I'd always assumed that it was like an efficient market. I, I assumed that like the, the domain buying and selling ship had sailed. Um, <laughs> you know, I think he, he did this in like 2013 or 2012 or something. And and by then, I think everyone already felt like all the good good domains were taken. I sort of assumed that like someone, someone would already be doing this. So it's not the kind of idea I would have thought about. Uh, so it's pretty cool that he managed to sort of build a business around this. Even, even, even though that's what it seemed like. Yeah. And yeah, I, I personally sort of also buy buy random domain names when they sound cool. I think when when they sort of released released all those new TLDs, I think I bought a domain which was wyd, which is short for what are you doing. Dot FYI, and I, just, I didn't I didn't do anything with it for ages, <laughs> and uh, I I ended up making like a Facebook Messenger bot that would sort of message you every 15 minutes asking what you're doing. And then it, you can sort of track your time that way by seeing like your answers to this thing. Whoa. Um, but I, I, I didn't, I didn't renew that when it came around. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, it just, it would just message you. Uh, yeah. It, or, or, or like my friends who had signed up for like the beta test of it or something, but I never really, yeah, it was, it was like the most annoying thing ever. You'd get a Facebook <laughs> message every seven minutes saying WYD. <laughs> like, oh my God. <laughs> it was cute. It was cute the first few times, but then it just becomes so frustrating. <laughs> oh wow. dear. It's, it's nice to know you've got some honest, um, testers there for the beta. Yeah. That's, that's, <laughs> that's always Pretty a nice honest. thing. <laughs> Speaking of, uh, testing technology. Um, this is that was about as smooth as a link between oh, the two podcast recommendations. Do you know what we'll, we'll um, know we're really smooth when we stop going. God, that was smooth. Like, and then rupture our own flow when we do it. <laughs> I don't think we're ever going to stop congratulating well. ourselves when we manage to do that, Jack. I mean, you you've got the power to edit it out, but I don't think you will somehow. Um, Not now. No. The, yeah, the, the podcast I've got is um, is should this exist, which is a podcast hosted by a woman called Katarina Fake, who was one of the co-founders of Flickr and is now a partner at YesVC, a venture capital pre-seed and seed stage fund investing in the US and Europe, um, and. 
and it's a really really interesting podcast i actually found out about it because katarina was on an episode of what's the podcast called with alex bloomberg jack the one well, we, without we, I, fail without fail thank you very much the one that i recommended about two, <laughs> two episodes ago so i should really remember <laughs> she she was on there talking about her experiences of co-founding Flickr and everything she's done after that and um naturally there was some kind of plug for should this exist which actually wasn't out at this point and i signed up to a mailing list um to find out when it was released and when it was released i kind of listened in i was really pleasantly surprised that it was just brilliant um i really really enjoy it so the idea of the podcast is they get creators or founders of different kind of technologies or emerging ideas to come on and kind of talk about the thing that they're building or pushing or creating but in a kind of way that they're not necessarily kind of just extolling its virtues and talking about how great it is but they're looking at it from a from a completely the kind of the opposite angle which is to really question it and question kind of the human impact or the human side of it um and katarina does a really really good job of this um and i think it's that in itself is a really interesting angle for a kind of technology focused podcast and i think it's also really interesting that the kind of people with their skin in the game as it were are coming on and having these discussions and naturally they're towing a line and they're obviously going to advocate for the thing that they're making or pushing or building or selling but i think fair play to them they all seem pretty open to hear the criticisms and the critiques of the thing they're making and the kind of well what if it gets used in this way or what if someone turns it round and turns it into this i think they're very good at taking that on board and discussing that i don't think that every kind of justification or answer they give is always satisfying sometimes i kind of feel like they're dodging it which you know that they've got every right to do that as well i suppose but i do find it really interesting um the episode that i chose specifically was boom the return of supersonic flight um so this is about a blokey called blake skull 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 um who is the founder and ceo of uh, an airplane startup called boom which is to do you know that does supersonic flight again and i have like a like a weird obsession with concord and wish that i was not not in like a like i don't go you know to the concord (laughs) museums but i just one of those things in life i think i'll probably really wish you know if i never get to do it i think it's one of the things i wish i'd have done in life is to have gone and done like supersonic flight because i think the idea is fascinating i think like concord was like deeply flawed as a thing like it was a tiny plane it wasn't that comfortable it cost a fortune to run so i can see where they stopped it but at the same time i really would have loved to have got to new york in like two hours or whatever the flight time was it's ridiculous yeah um so this one had a kind of particular interest to me and i think this episode's fairly typical of all of them so i'm uh yeah like i say i i really enjoy it i think like the angle as a podcast is really interesting and i think the conversations that come out of it are really interesting as well um tamer what do you think yeah this was the first I'd, i'd actually heard about this podcast before but i hadn't listened to any episodes this was my first one um, I'm actually super into planes right now. I'm in the middle. Of, I'm about halfway through awesome. reading a biography of the Wright brothers. <laughs> ah, um, yes, yes. So, like, I've I've been sort of yeah living in the world of you know the 1910s or whatever, where the Wright brothers are sort of setting up their their first plane. Um, and so, like, I'm really into this stuff right now. So, this is a really cool episode for me. Nice. Um, yeah, I, I really like that it's sort of the, the people behind these kinds of companies who are actually sort of in the firing line and like talking about the potential downsides or sort of knock on effects on society and stuff. I thought that was cool. I, I think one of the critici- potential criticisms that was raised during the episode was like, why, you know, why are these guys trying to ha- help super rich business people travel across the world faster when there are like far more pressing problems in the world? And I think that that's like a, a criticism that's levied against tech companies quite a lot in general mm. and I'm, I'm not sure how i feel about it because i just i just think it's quite harsh like if i i, I think if you sort of extend that to sort of other things it, it leads to weird places where right yeah, yeah um you know for for example uh there's a big movement uh in some parts of the world called effective altruism nowadays mm. which mm-hmm. is all about like giving money to charity most effectively um and that's that's really good but again one thing with that is that it's it's like yeah it's it's hard for me to articulate this but it just it seems harsh to be sort of examining precisely how people are spending their time and money and saying oh no why why are you giving to this charity and not this one even though this one's more effective like why are you spending your time starting a company that does this rather than something you know a company that does this other thing that like saves more people um 
and I'm, I'm like, I'm fully on board the effects of altruism bandwagon, but I think this is just a really difficult thing to, to solve almost. So I think like you could pretty much tell anyone who's spending their time doing anything that isn't, for example, buying malaria nets to save lives most effectively. Yeah. You can pretty much tell anyone like, why are you wasting your time doing that thing yeah. rather than saving lives? Um, and so I think, I just think it's kind of harsh and I'm not sure that it's a fair criticism, criticism in practice, because for example, it seems like the founder of boom, I mean, it seems like he, he, this is sort of his calling in life right now. He really wants to do this. I'm sure he'll be much better at doing this than he would be at, you know, doing lots of other things which he could be doing. And so I didn't really like that criticism too much, but I thought, I thought his sort of defense against some of these is really funny. Uh, I think whenever you have some kind of uh, company that's selling some enterprise product, you know, the, the kind of thing that doesn't really affect normal people and sort of they sell to businesses or really rich people, whatever they, they always like to tie it back into family. So one of the, one of his sort of defenses was that, you know, if we help, if we help these business people, you know, fly long distances much faster then they can spend more time with their families in the evenings. And, then, and this is like, <laughs> this is, this is like a classic thing that any, that like everyone goes back to when they sort of want to make a business, a, a businessy kind of product seem also socially valuable. It's always like the family thing, which I thought was really interesting. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, th- I thought it was a cool episode. Yeah. I, I think it's, it's interesting you picked up on that. Cause I think that, that argument of like, Oh, well there's better things that people could be doing gets like really existential really quickly. Doesn't it? Where you, all of a sudden you start thinking about anything you do in life and you go, well, why am I doing this when there's probably something, you know, more noble to be doing. And, um, you know, that's, yeah, that's yeah, the exactly. end of that conversation, isn't it? You know, and, uh, yeah, and, yeah. and you're totally right. And, and if everyone in the world donated to, uh, buy malaria nets, we'd have, probably too many malaria nets i I don't know you know everyone suddenly put all of the money that they ever gave to anywhere into that we'd we'd have a lot of malaria nets and probably not enough people to distribute them all the rest of it and i guess there's an argument to say that with all these things and you know charities that charity is a good example but all these things are good examples which is like someone at some point has got to like take a bet on this and see where it goes and it could end up being really handy for you know something that's far more um yeah altruistic than um you know just just sending rich business people halfway around the world really quickly i yeah i think it's, it's interesting you picked up on that because um i yeah, it, it does come up in in more than one episode i think and um it is yeah okay. it's quite an easy and recurring criticism to make of any new thing that is at all kind of fanciful and not necessarily 100 percent like you say like uh yeah by binaria nets um jack what did you make of it uh, I thought this was a really cool podcast. I think it's definitely a podcast that feels like the product of the overall changing relationship that we have with big technology companies, which feels perhaps less pertinent with Boom because they're doing transport. But there's a few founders that are speaking on this podcast in different episodes where their technology relates very much to subjects like identity and how we perceive and conduct ourselves and how we relate to each other whereby i think now people are very skeptical of people who are purely technologists handling this stuff and not also having like a social conscience as well to deal with the inevitable upshot of their product being used by say like millions of people if everything goes well because suddenly you're working with these kind of macro effects which you kind of need to be able to deal with early on otherwise you'll get to the point where it's way too late and you're facebook and you're like oh it's out of my hands and you know there's a lot of effects that now are just taking place that are catastrophic and awful and blah so i think it's definitely a podcast which is coming out at a time where we want to be able to scrutinise these people early on and say, so do you kind of know what you're dealing with here? Are you thinking about the effects of what you're pushing for here? And I, I think what is really fascinating is to hear these people dealing with these answers. And that often the answer that comes up most to these questions so so you should should say i think you probably mentioned freddie but it starts with them sort of pitching it in sort of like a more traditional you know founder's story kind of way where they talk about the start of the business and then the second half is called the workshop where they bring in other people's voices to question it and always the guy from quartz because it's co-produced by quartz so it's like you know all these people are relevant (laughs) to the topic and it's like 
Oh, there's a guy from Quartz as well who's got a question. He's just going to chime in here, which I kind of like. Um, but yeah, so so in that workshopping bit, that's where they put all the questions to them. And it seems that a lot of the time, the answers that these founders give relate to this utopian idea. Like all of them say, there will be a time where everyone can do this. Won't it be amazing when everyone's able to do this? And this sort of blanket idea that that technology will alter people's lives in the exact same way regardless of you know their social position like what their life is like there's a a sort of it it always strikes me when i hear i've listened to a couple of episodes it's like they don't know how to answer these questions so they just fall back to this very panoramic vision that they have um the the one that i listened to other than this one was um one on the product called modulate i don't know if You've heard that one, Freddie, but it's this voice-altering software where no. you can make your voice basically sound like an entirely different person. And that was absolutely fascinating. I thought the questions that came up from trans people were absolutely fascinating. Obviously, that's a huge thing. And, and I thought those questions actually were so much more direct and pertinent than, say, the one uh, that you referred to, Tamor, where it's like, you should be working on something else that's more important like those questions felt a bit more precise and actually got into a bit more of a dialogue around you know actually this is the things that you really should be thinking about so yeah i thought um this was a a cool podcast i would definitely check out a few more episodes i thought katarina was a good host as well so yeah i like it great um ali we don't want to leave you out what did what did you make of it yeah, so I think you guys have said all the interesting things about about the content-wise. Um, I actually found myself thinking that I have I've not really listened to many podcasts at all where it's well produced. So kind of so this one and the one that Tamer recommended, where they've clearly put a lot of work behind the scenes with lots of audio, lots of interviews chopped up from different bits. And I was mm. thinking, like, we're all podcasters now and we know just how hard it is to even imagine doing that sort of production value uh, let alone doing it with any kind of consistency so i found myself admiring kind of the segues into the background music and how they were bringing people in to talk about it Mm. but one thing i found myself thinking is that actually i would have really liked it if it was just a two-hour long-form interview with the guy the, the ceo of boom i think that might have made for a more interesting conversation where maybe he's got a bit more time to go into the nuances uh perhaps even discuss this thing about this effective altruism and how that ties into stuff i felt like he got away very easily by giving you know 30 second sound bites in response to these big existential questions so i would have liked to see a bit more of that but i suppose the way the format is for this podcast they're doing it very bite-sized something you can digest on your commute so i appreciated the the brevity in that sense yeah there was that question where he's like uh, they asking about Again, it's quite a big question, but they say, what about the possibility that you could be accelerating gentrification? And he goes, yeah, that's interesting. And then they cut off. And I'm like, if I ask that question, I'd be fucked. (laughs) (laughs) Come on. Yeah, um, I I think that's really interesting. It would be really cool, actually, if it was kind of like every episode was two episodes in the feed, which is one which is like the Mm. kind of 30-minute roundup of the whole issue. And then there's like the two-hour unedited full version where, you know, it's probably going to get a bit squeamish where this poor guy is going to have to try and squeeze himself out with some real (laughs) pointers. But there's something about like, you know, I I, I mean, I I don't know how much I could listen to that out of like, you know, sheer love of awkwardness. I don't think I could. But I do think that, yeah, you definitely get... um, um, a lot more kind of color and a lot more detail to, to to some of the answers and it'd be interesting to like it's almost nice sometimes and it's one of the things that i i like about your guys podcast which is that you hear the thinking and the development of the thinking as it happens which is a really yeah, like yeah. a really nice yes. thing to listen to um which we will of course get to in due course before we do that, we have one more recommendation, and that's from you, Tamor. What? Uh, tell us a little bit about your recommendation. Cool. So I recommended an episode of a podcast called Radio Lab. Uh, Radio Lab's been going on for ages. It, it's like produced by WNYC Studios, which are this massive, I think, public company uh, that do loads of radio mm-hmm. shows and stuff in the US. Um, and so, like, there's a bunch of people working on this full time, and it really shows like the production value is through the roof i mean they spend like months and months with you know, teams of multiple people researching each episode and then producing it and stuff um and so yeah each episode they sort of investigate it's sort of like investigative journalism 
uh, but just in sort of uh, voice form. So they kind of investigate some some topic, um, and they have interviews with sort of relevant people, and they have sort of their own thoughts and their own thinking, and they sort of weave all in together. Um, and the episode I recommended was one called The Rhino Hunter. Um, and I actually listened to this when I was in my third year of university. This was like my first foray into podcasts. And so th- this episode was about the topic of trophy hunting, which is something that we hear about, you know, maybe once every year or once every two years when it's in the news. You know, you guys might remember the case of Cecil the Lion a few years ago, yeah. where some like American dentists paid something like $50,000 to go and hunt this uh, endangered lion. Um, and then this sort of dentist got a bunch of death threats and, you know, he, he lost his job and all this kind of stuff. Um, and so every now and then it's something that comes up in the news and everyone gets very emotional about it. And in the past, you know, I'm, I'm a huge animal fan. I used to want to be a vet for most of my life. In the past, I, I thought that like, you know, I thought this was one of the issues that's so clear cut that there can't be any nuance to be had here. And I, I thought I had a strongly held opinion that trophy hunting was atrocious and, unforgivable and like I, I i very strongly believed this but after listening to this episode i kind of realized that it was an issue which gets a bit of media attention every now and then and lots of people have strong opinions about it uh whereas very few people are actually that informed about it and i certainly wasn't and so the really cool thing about this was that it kind of yeah it sort of informed me about what's actually going on in trophy hunting right so the, the narrative when you hear so the news stories is that, you know, some rich white dude from America has paid tens or hundreds of thousands of dollars to go and kill an endangered animal. And that's all they tell you. And on, on the face of it, that sounds awful. Uh, if, you, if you dig a bit deeper, though, and you ask, who the hell is he paying to hunt this animal? Is he paying the animal? Obviously not. <laughs> um, like... Yeah, just just digging very slightly into it, you kind of see that actually trophy hunting programs are managed by conservation agencies, and they're like responsible for something like seventy or eighty percent of the income of conservation agencies. So, by you know, the, a few years ago, there was a guy called Corey Knowlton. He paid, I, th- I think, upwards of a hundred k to go and hunt a endangered black rhinoceros in Namibia, and the one hundred k that he paid w- went to the sort of Namibian Wildlife Trust, trust or whatever in order to help conserve the lives of other rhinoceroses. And there's tons of other nuances as well. Like, you know, the animals that trophy hunters kill are typically like really old, unproductive members of the species. So this black rhinoceros, for example, which is uh, the case that's discussed in the Radio Lab episode, there, this, this animal was like super old, infertile, really aggressive. It was like a nuisance to local communities. It was killing out the rhinos. And so it's really not very clear cut at all that what's going on is bad. And so, yeah, I, I thought this was an amazing episode because it kind of opened my eyes to the fact that I'm not really qualified to have opinions on most things. <laughs> but before this, I would have, I would have, yeah, happily said, yeah, uh, trophy hunting is really bad. And then the, the other cool thing was it, it was also like very personal. Like the whole thing was just long interviews and segments where the Brady Lab producers actually went to Namibia with this guy when he was on his hunting trip. And they were like getting his thoughts after he shot the rhino and so on. Um, and so it really opened my eyes to sort of the human side of it, because I don't really know any people in my life who are into this kind of stuff. So I didn't really have any empathy with them. Mm. Whereas kind of spending an hour and a half intimately sort of hearing from this guy kind of gave me a lot more empathy for hunting, which is this thing that's completely alien to me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, that's mine and Freddie's opinions. Yeah. <laughs> Freddie, what, what do you that's reckon? Mine as well, for the record. <laughs> yeah, the, the irony is that we, we probably have a lot of opinions on Radio Lab, and and mostly good ones, I'd imagine, because um, Radio Lab's one of the rare episode party recommendations that we've given a free pass on to be repeated. Um, we try and not do it, but with Radio Lab, we you, we can't help it because it it's it's surprisingly not many people have recommended it, but every time it has been recommended, it's always warranted talking about because I think it's got such a wonderful appeal and i think actually Tamu, you just went through about five or six different reasons there why it's it's a good podcast and i think everyone gets something different out of it and so it's always worth discussing um 
you know, for the you, you're absolutely right. For the, for the most part, the thing that always strikes me about Radio Lab is how brilliantly produced it is and this kind of format that is uh, that's out now um that uh, you know is mostly popularized by like npr podcast national public radio in america of, of kind of like very slickly produced um narrated very narrative format uh you know with with yeah like with, with a journalist who's narrating it and then it's you know lots of other voices coming in and lots of um you know different sounds whether that's kind of field recordings or music or whatever else it's been done time and time again now and 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 so some examples are great and some examples are clearly trying to do something and not really doing a great job of it but i think radio lab probably really started it all perhaps this american life as well but radio lab is one of those podcasts that just does this brilliantly well-produced podcast format extremely well and they do it extremely well in the sense as well that there are kind of like almost three hosts so you've got jad abenrud and robert crowich who are kind of like the kind of in-studio co-hosts of um radio lab as a whole and then you've got other people coming into that so in this sense there's a um, simon adler who's the producer who is following uh, this guy Corey round when he goes on his hunting trip in namibia and you know you, you have the other people kind of coming in with their voices and um talking about stuff and and they edit it in such a way that you know jad and 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 robert who are, are not actually involved in the reporting of the story but they come in and do their recording and their script afterwards they'll ask a question and then Corey, who's the subject that's been recorded out in namibia is answering <laughs> the question and they've just done such a good job of like cataloging all of this audio you know transcribing it all someone's then sat down and gone through and edited this story together then they've produced these scripts for jad and robert and they've gone in back into a studio they've recorded them and someone's edited it all together and it's done in such a way that it literally feels like a conversation between four people and it's you know we're talking earlier you know, about how you know these things just take a lot of time and you know as, as podcasters we know that you know it, it, it's 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 massively involved and I, I just it's just so so good so i thought i'd stick to like one thing there about that i really really love about it because i i know everyone else is going to have really interesting things to say about this podcast as well um ali what did you make of it so i think uh, again like just to echo everything that you guys have said about just the sheer production value of radio labs i've i've never actually listened to a radio labs episode other than this one so i need to probably start doing that now because ah. Yeah, it 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 just feels like such a it it felt like such a well produced piece of work that I, I like the mind boggles that things like this exist in the world and are fully available for free. It's just absolutely mental. Um, <laughs> the thing that I really liked about it, so we we listened to this when we were in Iceland. It was me, Tamor, and our mum. And I don't know if you guys have been to Iceland, but it involves a hell of a lot of driving through yes, these like yes. random roads, like seven hours of driving to get to any reasonable location. But in fairness, like along the way, it's quite pretty, and. I think when Tamor put this podcast episode on, it really brought the family together in like in like a nice way because our mom was like super engrossed in it as well. And she never gets engrossed in anything like this. Like, you know, if I tried listening to an episode of the Tim Ferriss show, she'd be like, what the hell's going on? <laughs> <laughs> but this was just so interesting and it brought everyone together. And I think at the time we had a lot of interesting chats about the morality of things like this. And kind of just to echo what, well, what Tamor says, we all hold these very strong opinions about things that we really have no have no reason to be to be able to reasonably comment on i think what this episode taught me overall is that whenever there's any kind of issue where it seems obvious what the right answer is like you know this happened in the in in the latest general election uh being a university student at the time clearly everyone is anti-conservative and pro-labor and so the sentiment around the whole university was oh my god how can people be so selfish as to as to vote conservative and then i was kind of thinking that hang on that, that was like 38 percent of the electorate like they can't all just be selfish pricks um and <laughs> <laughs> equally and equally for stuff like brexit where it seems so clear-cut in the circles that we hang around in that clearly brexit is bad um i find it interesting just seeing seeing the other side of the coin and i think this episode has just given me more of an appreciation of of that yeah, yeah. absolutely <laughs> yeah 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 uh this episode has really stuck with me like this is maybe the one episode of radio lab that i think if you ask me to name a radio lab lab episode 10 years from now i'd name this one that is stuck in my head i think um i listened to it when it first came out and then so when you recommended it i was like i know exactly what that episode is i remember being on a train listening to it oh nice <laughs> yeah yeah and i was so so engrossed and I, all i remember really from that initial listen is coming out and feeling 
utterly fraught about my opinions on the subject whereas i mean as you've already said going into it i was like well this is clear cut and they also they fucking they bait you as well because they set up this auction where they're auctioning <laughs> off these you know rights to go and get these permits and you're like boo god you guys suck and then gradually they're like oh no and you know and then they turn it round, and the way they do it is almost like a perfectly pitched sort of true crime thing where you are tossing back and forth and you know you're not allowed to settle in your state of mind like uh, as soon as you feel like okay i kind of feel like i land on this side now they bring in another voice who just sort of dislodges you from your position a bit and you come out the other side just kind of like oh i don't know what to think um so i think for that reason this podcast is utterly brilliant this episode is is really great and it reminds me of of this has come up on a couple of podcasts i've listened to but that well there's various versions of it but the trolley problem where you can save people on a train track if you push someone onto the train track or um you know to, to to like block the train from coming it won't hit these people that are further down the track or you can hit a hit a button which then you know pushes a lever which pushes someone onto the track people are more keen to push the button than they are to actually push the person even though the net effect is the same it's the proximity to the nasty thing even though the net effect is is greater and i think that's what's coming into effect here is it's like you're too close to the horrible kind of hunting aspect where someone is definitely getting a kick of killing an, or killing an animal and yet even if the net effect is greater it still feels utterly wrong because you're drawn into that very cinematic death of a single creature and i think obviously they, they produce it in a way where you get drawn into that story as well because you like you say you go on the hunt with them so that gets thoroughly amplified that the actual act of killing the creature and yeah so i just really uh it tore me up like in terms of what i think of the subject which is exactly what they intended to do i have to say that i don't listen to radiolab anymore just because i do find the production style very annoying i, I think it goes too fast <laughs> i find myself feeling a little bit patronized by it like it's almost like if there was a moment of silence they worried that i'd just throw my headphones off um and there's also they do this thing which appears in every episode i probably probably talked about it last time but where generally robert crowlwich will go wait 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 what 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 and then ask someone to explain as if he's just like he's had a nap and then woken up and sort of missed the last 20 (laughs) minutes but uh, which is i i get it because i think it's a device to kind of avoid them doing like a very straight narration of the story it kind of keeps it dynamic because everything's taking place through a conversation but i just find it all a bit dizzying really with that plus all the field recording plus the voices in the studio going over to here there and 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 everywhere i I feel like that they're the story is compelling enough like so compelling without them having to frame it like a 40 minute movie trailer uh and the best bit for me is there's a bit with Corey where they talk to him and he just has he's asked to basically justify his position and they just play this like one minute tape of him giving his answer without anything else that to me was my favorite bit because you just hear Corey's brain whirring you get a lot of silences you can hear that he's kind of riled up that he's been asked these questions and that people aren't understanding his point of view so yeah i I mean this episode is i I should underscore the fact this episode is is brilliant but radio lab as as a whole i admire it utterly for the amount of work that goes into it but stylistically it's just not one that clicks with me per se yeah i i would also recommend that if you are listening to this jack you mentioned it goes fast there if you're listening to uh radio lap using um the overcast podcast oh, turn off the um, remove silences thing because it goes even faster <laughs> when you remove all of the like the pauses and the gaps out of it it goes extremely fast um and, and definitely <laughs> don't, don't listen do onto that. it on like two times speed or anything like that because it's um <laughs> it's, it's it's really hard to keep up with yeah. um that would be my that would be my recommendation 
Yeah, so I think we are pretty much there with recommendations, but it would be um, a cry and shame if we didn't talk at least briefly about Not Overthinking, which is a podcast that I know um, I'm a massive fan of. Um, I've, I've been listening since uh, since the beginning. And um, Jack, I know you've been, oh my God, no uh, you've been listening. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think actually it was um, our um, podcast host, Transistor FM, tweeted about you. And, oh, uh, they did, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, 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 and uh, and I, I yeah, I've just been I've been listening since. And I, I touched upon it earlier, but I, I love I love the kind of dialogue that plays out between you both, and when you have guests on as well, where you're kind of thinking through these ideas and debating them and talking about them. And I, I like that, and you know, it's something that you know, Jack, you almost kind of touched upon it then with um, with Radio Lab. You know, it's nice to hear like people's brains ticking away and, and chewing over ideas, and I, I think you both do a really really great job of that. Um, what what kind of what how how do you go about choosing topics to talk about where does that come from yeah oh god that's the challenge every week <laughs> <It's> like, oh, <laughs> crap. what are we going to talk about this week and i think at the start we both had this idea that oh you know how hard can it be there's so many topics within the field of social interaction and and stuff that we can probably just overthink about but i think these days at least what what i tend to do is i think is there anything that Tamar or I have come across this week that's particularly pertinent that we could talk about. So this week, uh, the episode we did was about rejection, which was particularly pertinent that w- in in the week. Uh, one of the episodes was about you know why we're recording it at two o'clock in the morning, which we had <laughs> to do that day. So uh, that that worked out nicely. So so far we've just we've we've been keeping just one step ahead of you know the weekly schedule, but it's it's been a challenge. Yeah, I think the ideally we'd sort of get these ideas for interesting discussions throughout the week and so note them down uh, i use an app called notion i think i'll use that now as well so every time i do have something that i keep thinking about uh, maybe a few times in a week or i have something i'd like to sort of think more about with other people i kind of note that down and that sort of makes this pipeline of ideas but even then sometimes there are weeks where it's like oh man we don't really have a good idea what should we, you know, what the hell should we talk about now <laughs> yeah i mean i I, I should say as well, big fan, think it's a fabulous podcast. I think what I absolutely love is that there's a lot of podcasts that I think are touching on these topics, but I mean, it follows on from what Freddie's already said, but they talk about it in a means of like having the answers and giving you all the information you need to implement improvements in whatever area. So rejection, for example, it's like they've got the answers for how to deal with rejection. Don't worry, just sit back and listen soak it up and you'll be fine (laughs) whereas yeah you you sound like you're coming at it from the position of the listener which is amazing and then so you're drawn on this journey together to like get to a point where actually you all have a you know hosts and listeners have a better idea of 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 how to navigate that subject i mean i'm intrigued as to what is it that you get out of having these conversations in i mean the podcast is called not overthinking but the the deliberation between you is i mean obviously as a listener it's where the value comes in but i mean what what does talking these things through do to you for for you yeah i'm I'm really glad you guys mentioned the whole thing about being actively thinking while we're talking and doing the podcast because that's really what i was sort of i wanted to go for here because i think there's lots of podcast formats where it's like one person interviewing someone else who's like the expert on some topic and it's them like telling you a bunch of things you should do or like uh you know which is great in its in its own right but um in some episodes i mean i talk about why i don't like the self-help industry and i think i think part of why that is is because i think there's a lot of value in and yeah, sort of thinking, being part of the thinking through things, because I think what in the process of like thinking through things, it sparks off other ideas and thoughts, uh, which are really, really valuable. And so if it was, ju- you know, if we were like experts on these topics and we were just like dishing out these sort of nice, well-phrased things about what you should do and what you shouldn't do, I think that would be actually less valuable for these topics. But I think these are the kind of topics that it's just the kind of thing that everyone sort of would benefit from thinking about. And that's kind of just what we're doing. We're just like thinking about these things um, and chatting about it. But yeah, to your, to, your, to your question, yeah, these these genuinely are things that I want to explore. So I also sort of have a little blog and I like to tweet and stuff. And so I, th- I think there's a, I have a bit of like an idea pipeline where if I'll if there's something I've been thinking about, I'll sort of tweet about it. And then if I keep sort of thinking back to it, maybe I'll write a blog post about it. 
uh, or maybe we'll do a podcast about it. And that sort of just lets me explore the idea in a bit more depth and, and sort of properly think it through with another person, which is really good. And it's just nice to sit down once a week with uh, with Ollie and, and chat, really. Don't know what oh, Ollie thinks. thanks, man. Yeah, uh, I think I definitely feel the same way. I think for me, the main value is just in in having having that chat because i think one of the great things about the podcast format is that it encourages you to explore ideas in a way that a standard conversation just wouldn't because in a standard conversation between for example me and Tamo, there's so much assumed knowledge that goes into it and assumed background that i might say a phrase that he would fully understand what i'm talking about but i might not really understand the intricacies of it and so if we're in a podcast format and we're having to articulate these thoughts in a way that other people can understand them i think it makes our own thinking on these matters a lot clearer and for me similarly to tame i've got a sort of an idea pipeline because i make youtube videos on the side and so um, a lot of topics like you know motivation consistency productivity these come up a lot amongst uh, the sort of topics that my uh, viewers care about <laughs> viewers sounds weird um <laughs> and and so just uh, s- sitting down for half an hour to an hour and actually hashing them through and bringing up all of the various um counter arguments that we can think of I find it to be quite helpful in developing my own thinking and hopefully then I can form some kind of thesis on the subject that I can then deliver as a, you know, nicely packaged piece of advice uh, to people on a YouTube channel. So, yeah, I, I, I find it quite valuable in that sense as well. Great. I think it's wonderful. Freddie and I will no doubt keep listening. It's a really nice podcast, I think, for just keeping you reflexive and inquisitive as a listener. So thank you very much. I mean, if people want to check out the podcast for themselves, where's the best place for them to be? doing that uh, uh, well, on the website so we're on notoverthinking.com, but you can find it on every podcast host tamo sorry were you going to say something different to that uh, <laughs> have we got a new I, url i was going to say exactly that <laughs> oh amazing <laughs> spot on and we're both hosted with transistor it seems i was just i was, I was checking out your website it looks very pretty oh, that's very freddy's much. go it yeah yeah that's all freddy <laughs> yeah. who did your logo by the way your logo is really really nice oh that was that was me um which is ridiculous oh. because i have no design experience whatsoever which is yeah oh wow um but yeah no thank you very much that's uh that's very kind of you yeah where are we online freddie so people can see that lovely lovely logo <laughs> if you want to stare at that logo a little bit more um <laughs> you can go to episode.party on the internet um oh you... there's that domain name that you talked about there's oh, that domain there name <laughs> there it is um we're also episode underscore party on twitter um or if you have a recommendation for a podcast you want to share with us over email you can email us at hello at episode dot party um i think that just about covers us ali and tamor thank you so much again for for coming on and being wonderful guests and bringing some uh, great recommendations um it's been yeah. a real pleasure thank you for yeah, having us it's been brilliant. really fun and for talking about birds as well it's been great brilliant everyone's gonna remember birds from this podcast exactly then i've Fantastic. succeeded great brilliant I'm gonna start reading that book it's gonna be <laughs> yes. sick yes keep me posted well i don't want to keep anyone from reading any longer so um (laughs) if you're listening at home go go watch some birds go read the book about birds go look at some birds in the garden go listen to some birds and uh don't even bother with our podcast when it comes out next time um but we will see you next time all right goodbye bye Hey everyone, Freddie here. If you like the show and like listening to us recommending podcasts, then do us a favour and recommend this podcast to a friend of yours. Um, If you know someone who's in the market for a new podcast or is just getting started in the world of podcasts and wants to find some new shows to listen to, why not recommend Episode Party? They can tune in, they can download a few episodes and they can find out about all sorts of different podcasts and we'll get a new listener while we're at it. So that'd be really helpful and we'd really appreciate it. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.